Welcome to Sidetracked with Abby and John, a podcast where we look at motion picture soundtracks and record label compilations that introduced us to the music we love. As always, we talk the songs, the scenes, and everything in between. So please grab your 3D surround sound, cat ear headphones, douse yourself in body glitter, and do not forget that du jour means friendship and seatbelts, because today we are talking Josie and the Pussycats. Yay. I'm so excited. I love just <laughs> du jour means whatever. So good. So du jour good. means so many things. And today du jour means this soundtrack. I don't know. <laughs> I This is everything to me. So yeah. Yeah. It's a great soundtrack. Here we are. I, f- I feel like, I don't know. I, I held off as long as I possibly could before we had to do this. <laughs> <laughs> so, Okay. Just have to say, this is like the biggest soundtrack of my life. <laughs> so I have to be really careful not to like shit on it. If too you much. shit on it, I will shit on you. This, I don't this, <laughs> this is the seventh and final episode <laughs> right? of Sidetracked with Abby and John. <laughs> no, I can I, I I understand some of the criticism, but overall, <laughs> this movie is like everything to me. The soundtrack is everything to me. There was a point in like my 2001 life where I had to like shelf this CD for a little (laughs) bit because I was like becoming genuinely upset that I would never see this band because they were not a real band, but they were my favorite band. Because they're a real band. They are. They really are. So, okay. I actually don't, when you say you understand the criticisms, I I have few criticisms. Okay, great. I was kidding. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. God, I don't know. I mean, I understand when people... I don't know when this just isn't your thing. I get it. Well, like, but I loved, I loved the first song when it mm. first came out and I didn't really care about the rest of it. But now <gasps> listening to the rest of it, I'm like, oh, this is all great. You're like, these are the fucking greatest songs ever written. Yeah, I get it. I understand. I don't, I don't <laughs> go that far, I'm, but I don't criticize. Okay. Them. So because this is the day where I actually have things to show you, right? Ooh. So, okay, I've showed you my 20th anniversary vinyl, which is absolutely beautiful. Yes. The liner notes are incredible. But then I had to bring this as well so you could see. So this is a photo of me. And oh my I goodness. would have thought that was <laughs> basically a regular day outfit, but right. that is a photo of me dressed up as Josie, Josie is- for Halloween. I only knew it was Halloween because my best friend is clearly in a costume next <laughs> to me and there's i think was some, that your hair at the time or that was, was my hair oh my God, for the whole year almost <laughs> looks it almost looks like a wig nope that was my it's hair great i loved that hair like i mean i loved the hair in the movie i it, it's so good it's specifically so, rachel's hair in the movie yes it was that's amazing it was everything i think like there were millions of people that took pictures of rachel lee cook from this movie to oh, their stylist absolutely. and said please Give me the Josie. I feel like there's many movies that people took Rachel Lee Cook photos from. For sure. For sure. Just a babe. Just a babe. But um, yeah, I'll also, I have so many more photos. I just didn't feel like bringing them all in. I had all like CDs. I'm currently like in my basket online right now. I have like a Josie (laughs) and the Pussycats t-shirt. Love it. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Big fan. Big fan. Yeah. So. The biggest. 
It sounds like. <laughs> All right. So let's, uh, we'll do some facts to keep us on track because I sure as hell could get off track real quick <laughs> with this one. This is a 2001 film that was co-produced by Universal and Metro Goldwyn Meyer. It oh, was that's di- weird. I know. I didn't look right? that up. That's yeah. interesting. Very interesting. Uh, it was directed and written by Deborah Kaplan and Harry Elfont. The film stars Rachel Lee Cook, Tara Reid, and Rosario Dawson as the Pussycats, uh, with Alan Cumming and Parker Posey as the Mega Records antagonist. Oh, so good. What a killer cast. Oh, right? And I mean, we're leaving out the amazing guys of DuJour. Oh, my God. Like, it's so... They're like, they are my favorite casting in this. And mm-hmm. then I was like, okay, why did this happen? And then I didn't realize that the directors had, right before this, made can't hardly wait right which exactly. also has a fire soundtrack right so okay and uh, then they brought the guys over yeah and who who is du jour they are breckenmeyer my love donald um, Faison. donald Faison. uh seth green seth green and the then, other guy <sighs> yeah shoot alex it's alex something alex yeah, I, I have it somewhere you um, know what though the fact that that we can't think of this off the top of our heads his name is alex martin perfect as less he was also for, in Can't Hardly Wait. I know, but <laughs> it's perfect for boy band casting because it was always like, okay, there's this guy, there's this guy, there's this right? guy, and then there's the other guy. Yeah, yeah. And, and he I, is perfect to the other guy. Yeah, Even I Even that he's agree. the only one who doesn't, who doesn't show up later in a full body cast. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, who is the weird guy? <laughs> he's the only one who didn't get injured. It's less. Yeah. But less, um, that's his name. He's even less. <laughs> like, it's perfect. The soundtrack was released on Sony Music Soundtracks and Playtone Records on March 27, 2001. You know I was in HMV the minute it opened to buy this. Me <laughs> and my best friend Tanya, we lined up. We waited for them to open what? the gate. Oh, my God. Like, when I tell you... Is this pre- was this pre-movie release? Yeah. Was, oh, so wow. the movie was released... I want to say the movie was released April 11th, 2001. Right. And then the soundtrack had come out early, so I knew the words to everything. Right. Yeah, I remember the the single came out early. I didn't realize yeah. the whole soundtrack did. Right. Because um, I remember being so excited for this movie because I loved Rachel Lee Cook. Yeah. So bought the soundtrack in March. Went in April to see the movie. Uh, so the lead vocals. Um, of Josie are performed by Kay Hanley of Letters to Cleo fame. And then backing vocals didn't know this until like researching this. I knew, so I knew one of the backing vocals, which is Biff Naked. Yes, I didn't know that. Yeah, but the other backing vocals are Dawson, Cook, and Reed. They Uh, all sang on it. right. I had no clue. I thought that was really great when I heard it because I've always thought that the vocal match on these songs mm-hmm. even even the lead vocal is great so for Rachel Lee Cook although yeah. actually there's two songs where I I disagree with that and I'll bring it up when we get okay. to them there's two songs okay. that I feel like Melody sings mm, I can't wait to hear about and it and that's just the vibe I get when I hear it I'm like this is this isn't Josie this is Melody right and okay. like anyway well, unfortunately, the film itself tanked at the box office. It made $15 million less than its production budget. That's so wild. And was met with like the shittiest reviews, which is so unfortunate. And uh, one of our favorites, writer and filmmaker BJ Colangelo, reminds us that these critics were predominantly male, yes. which is pretty interesting when you consider the fact that this movie has been loved and adored and has had such an enduring um, just place in cinema for 
so many women and the LGBTQ2S community oh, absolutely. for the last 20 years, right? So I think it was really misunderstood at the time, yeah. which I know we'll talk about. But Do you want to hear the grossest quote that oh, I heard? Sure. From a, from a legit reviewer. Okay. Peter Travers of Rolling Stone called the movie a harmless girly trifle that, quote unquote, lacked any kinky action. Uh, uh, what? It, how is that your review criteria? <laughs> does does this hot girl movie have kinky? I even, and I don't even action? know what kind of film that review would warrant ever. No. What is uh, he looking for? Like, what is he? Is he? I don't. Is he like? Give me. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Poison Ivy? Was that the movie? I don't know. I don't know. Boo to that. It was terrible. I read that and I was like, what? And then, yeah, Ebert just panned it too. Yeah. He gave it like half a star or something. Half a star saying not as bad as the Spice Girls movie Spice World, but just as bad, which fuck you, Robert Ebert. (laughs) Ebert. Both of those movies are gold. Both of these movies are gold. That's true. Okay, so the soundtrack itself was re-released on vinyl for the 20th anniversary on Epic Records, which is part of Sony Music, and it also has the 7-inch single for De Jour Around the World and Backdoor Lover, which I love so much. When it came to this soundtrack, Elfont himself said that he wanted bangers. He told Stereo Gum that he wondered how many songs they really needed for a fake band. Oh yeah, I read that. Right? And he thought, uh, you know, like one or two would do. I like how they they cited like that thing you do and Mm -hmm. how it only has the one song they just have over and over again. And I mean, I'm I'm still there for that song. I, oh, that song's I a banger. I love that song. Yeah. But uh, no, like Elfont and Kaplan said, no, let's let's do fucking eight. Let's yeah. do eight. Let's make this legit. Huge songs, and they are. They're huge. So they, along with Babyface, created a fictitious supergroup. That's what it, like this is the superest of supergroups to me. I think the other thing that Elfont really wanted with this, which I I never like these comparisons. He's <laughs> said that he really wanted to create a band that sounded like the girl Blink-182. Oh. Boo, I don't like girl. I don't I don't ever yeah, want to hear well, that. Of I don't But I can see at the time that that was like they wanted like they wanted something fun. Was huge. There wasn't yeah. a huge I guess no. You could have compared it to No Doubt. Yeah, but I, but I also just don't think this band sounds like Blink One Eighty Two. So if you wanted, but a it's girl Blink One Eighty Two. I don't know. It's like the same level of like catchiness, and they yeah. wanted a pop punk vibe, and like the studio people don't know how to describe what they want. Maybe, right? so, maybe that's true. I guess, yeah. So given all of that, though, mm-hmm. it is wild to me that Babyface was the producer of this album. Mm-hmm. But. Like he put it together. Like it's great. The cast of musicians that he got together to make this fantastic. It's just not at all what you expect. No, not at all. I remember that was like a big draw to me to like hear what Babyface could do Ah. with these musicians and these writers. And so let's let's tell the people who are the writers on this soundtrack, shall we? Because we have, so as you mentioned, the famed uh, Kenny Babyface Edmonds and his then wife, Tracy Edmonds, who was a big part of the production on this. And she did, she sort of helped him with some of the writing. We have Kay Hanley and Michael Eisenstein of Letters to Cleo. Yes. We have Dee Dee Gibson, uh, Adam Duritz of Counting Crows. Loved, loved Counting Crows. I have some, I found some interesting stuff 
on his take on this soundtrack, which oh, is really, really, yeah. It is weird that he wrote on it, but I guess he was friends with like yeah, Letters to Cleo right? That, right? Yeah. yeah. And then we have Adam Shellsinger of Fountains of Wayne, yes. a big writer on this. Uh, both Deborah Kaplan and Harry Elfont, the directors of the film, were writers. Anna Ronker of That Dog. David Gibbs from Boston punk band Gigolo Ants. We have Matthew Sweet, Jane Whedon of The Go-Go's. And then, of course, along with the backing vocals of Canadian rock royalty, my fave Biff Naked. Something that I love that I saw that Biff said about working on this Mm -hmm. is that she said, for me, of course, to be able to work with Babyface was the thrill of my lifetime. I was a huge Tony Braxton fan. That might sound random, but I was a massive, massive fan. And I just love because it seems so out of character for yeah. like Biff's character. But Tony Braxton was everything. Oh, well, yeah, then. of course. So, and Babyface yeah. was undoubtedly yep. a great producer. Just love yep. when you get to right? musicians who have a certain vibe. Yeah. And they're like, no, I love everything yeah 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 well and Kay Hanley as I said earlier was the voice of Josie we'll talk about that because I didn't realize there was such sort of like a history to the voice of Josie here but she was not the first choice and they actually went through a slew of musicians considering Tracy Bonham Dee Dee Gibson who we'll talk about was was also considered for vocals yeah she was the only one I saw listed I didn't know there were yeah and then at one point even they wanted uh, they did consider Rachel Lee Cook and she tried out to do it Uh, Deborah Kaplan herself even tried but they decided on Kay and I think she's perfect but I adore her voice but I I adore how well her voice fits this character I think the voice is perfect yeah yeah yeah. so I guess from here we want to talk like summary of the movie there's so much I have so much to talk about (laughs) you can can lead with whatever you want I've just got some random notes about movie stuff and then anyway yeah okay well I guess we'll do a quick summary just for anyone who hasn't seen it but oh my gosh a visually it's like my favorite thing ever. The brightest colors. Such a beautiful movie. But Josie and the Pussycats is a hilarious satire and social commentary wrapped in a beautiful sparkly package of Y2K era teen comedy. In the film, Wyatt, the label exec of Mega Records, needs to find himself a new boy band after boy band extraordinaire du jour <laughs> discovers subliminal tracks on their songs that are attempting to brainwash the teens of the world. This is when Wyatt initiates a fatal plane crash to get rid of them. Wyatt comes out unscathed, landing in the town of Riverdale, which is maybe like two or three, one of the two or three references to the comic in general. Yeah, there aren't a lot. I love the one that the one very blatant reference to the comic, which is when they ask the one character why she's here. And she's like, I was in the comic. Right? It's so good. I adore, I adore how they break those, like the fourth wall. They break the fourth wall so much mm -hmm. in this movie. It's wild. Yep. And uh, so once they're in Riverdale, Wyatt discovers Josie, Melody, and Valerie, the three members of small town group the Pussycats. The gals are whisked away to a life of fame and fortune when they're signed to Mega Records. But of course, they quickly realize that Wyatt and Mega Records founder Fiona, who's played by Parker Posey, are also putting subliminal message tracks in their songs with the same attempt to create an army of mindless teenage zombies that will spend their money on whatever they are told to. We have hijinks, we have hilarity, and a truly banging soundtrack that come out of all of this, along with a never-ending bond of friendship. Yes. 
the beautiful theme of friendship throughout is <laughs> the most wholesome. Yes, love it. that is true. They are the sweetest friends. And I love even when um, there's the scene where Fiona brings them into her own special room, like, and she just wants to be friends with the pussycats mm-hmm. and they're like cute room with all the hello kitty stuff and like i mean the whole the whole point of the whole thing is that fiona wants to be cool yeah like the final message in the big song is supposed to be her convincing the world that she's cool and everyone should love her right and so yeah it's so cute that she just she just wants friends she just wants friends yeah i mean it's yeah, it's great. I watched it with my two little girls oh, and they love loved it. And they saw through, like they, I, I, I find it so funny. Like they understood the satire right away and right. they could like read right into Fiona's character immediately. Like, ah, which apparently, you know, some of the critics at the time just couldn't do. <laughs> well, and I had problems with the satire and I had to look this up. Mm-hmm to see because it was driving me nuts that like it's satirizing logos but then there's logos everywhere so i'm like didn't they just get paid for all of this right and that's where just for for people that haven't seen it yet there is a logo in almost every single scene like and not just a little bit of logos we have like melody's bathroom is totally mcdonald's theme i want that sponge set oh yeah so bad right? like she's showering the with, with the fries yeah. and then there's the other ones down below yeah. and then there's a grimace somewhere <laughs> i love 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 the mcdonald land characters okay i well, think they're that, great yeah that so, sets for you yeah that whole bathroom right? it was amazing it yeah. looks like a mcdonald's bathroom mm-hmm. like with the tiles mm-hmm. and then of course the one the one that is so good and i know that the director one of the directors said mm-hmm. like Maybe we should have made the Evian logo bigger. Oh, right. When people didn't get the sarcasm, but yeah. there's an Evian logo in the like dolphin in tank. In the aquarium, yeah. At the aquari- it's so good. And so, when, because I cut you off before you explained the satirical element here, did they get paid for any of this uh, brand inclusion? No, there was no uh, money no transacted. No money exchanged. Which nothing. is great. But then it's also yeah. interesting to think about some branding things that did not get included. Mm hmm. And you're like, why, for example, are the guitars from the brand that they are from? Right, right. I I found some, just a little bit of info on the guitars, which, yeah. Anyway, so interesting. Uh, just a very, like, because how can we talk about Josie and the Pussycats without talking about the comic, right? This film is a very, very loosely based on the comic Josie and the <laughs> Pussycats that was part of the Archie comics from the 1960s to 1980s. And then they were turned into their own Saturday morning cartoon in 1970 with Hanna-Barbera. Yes. Yeah. Which Those characters are so cute. And I, like, so I always wanted to love it and I couldn't. I've I was, never really watched it. Yeah. It's, it's a difficult, I don't really understand the premise. And then <laughs> season two, they go to space. For whatever Amazing. reason. So I did see like, something about this movie that was like, if there was a sequel, it would have been in space. And I'm like, what are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, right? Which, I mean, that could be really a great <laughs> version yes. where they go to space. I don't know. I mean, well, especially how, now with the whole space everybody's tourism going to space, thing and yeah. how disgusting it is. Right? Exactly. Like, yes, let's spend billions of yeah. dollars on putting rich people in space. Right? Yeah. But yeah, even, it would be a better satire now, probably, than it would have been then. Right? To send celebrities to space. I agree. 
I think the guys from Haven't Seen It podcast are our Instagram pals. They covered this and they talked about that. The fact that if there was a sequel to this, it could really, really work now because this <laughs> satire has yeah. never been more true. And yeah, there you added the space tourism. Well, I even, like that. I think BJ wrote too about the how yeah. like, ahead of its time with the satire. Right? Was, right. Absolutely. But the one thing that I do find so interesting, the the thing that that has continued on from the original comic or the original characters to today is that even back in the 70s they were set on the soundtrack being like awesome so they had writers from the partridge family and the monkeys back then and they even included elvis presley's bass player to appear on the recordings oh cool so uh, from the very beginning this band has always blurred the lines between like is this a real band like these songs are so good and they genuinely stand on their own even though it is a fake band (laughs) i guess in that era oh they kind of did the same thing with the archies did they right there was the archies band that had sugar sugar right 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 and then also it even ties in in that era with like the monkeys yeah which oh man i loved that i loved that show too yeah um but yeah just like fake bands as real bands yeah interesting yeah interesting although i guess the monkeys actually sang and recorded their own stuff but oh, i think I guess so. they were actually i think they were actually musicians but i don't think that they necessarily wrote the stuff maybe they didn't i think they could play oh i don't know but i, don't, I, think I don't know was, the answer to any of they that. were just put together for the show and then i think the songs were just written mm-hmm. for the show and like to be hits amazing all right well speaking of hits hey you like that segue <laughs> i do <laughs> All right, <laughs> let's let's get into the music with the first song, Three Small Words, which was written by Kaplan, Elfon, and David Gibbs. Was the video for this like in fast forward kind of they were like running all over the place and doing stuff? Yeah. The video is essentially just clips from the movie. Like right, and okay. just from the right, because this is this is not so we open the movie with du jour and then we're in this is like the introductory scene to Josie. Yes, right. It's and, funny the yeah, that you start with a different band. You're yeah. like, what the heck movie am I at? Right. I will be honest, this song produces such an emotional reaction for me because (laughs) that scene itself like that opening scene where we're meeting the band where we're watching them play where this song is playing like it's just so awesome (laughs) and this was also like the stage in my life where I was in a band and we I was like band mom and I bought us all tickets to go see this movie. Love it. And we went on opening night together and I still remember like the four of us sitting. It wasn't front row, it was like the perfect spot. Oh, of course. Just a little uh, farther back. But... Yeah, farther back in the middle. Yeah. And I remember watching this scene and like just crying. You're like, This is us. Right. This is where we're yes. gonna be. It's this and it everything. was so exciting to just see this happen on Uh, a big movie screen and so yeah i will never not love this movie and song and everything because of that so it's so frustrating 
that and like they even they did it in an okay way but it's so frustrating in a way that the the phrase girl power mm-hmm. with became what it was with the spice girls because like i mean it's it's such a nice summary of like female empowerment Mm -hmm. yeah this is such a great example of like girl power this movie and like their friendship but it just is so trite to to like use that term and you know i think though that it's such a i guess it's just like an experience thing because for me and for my friends and for us in a band like it was never even though people passed it off or like sort of brushed it off as uh yeah silly or you know trite like whatever it wasn't for us like it was like that's great because to me, it was just like girls yelling yeah. girl power in a British accent and giving the uh, peace sign. No, I I so. loved Spice Girls. I also, that's the other thing about this song, this scene, this like, this movie, whatever. This group is that um, they fuse together so much about punk rock and pop. Yeah, that, absolutely. That that I like, there there uh, which we've talked about a lot, right, in past episodes, there was this real division between like punk and say rap or punk or rock or metal and hip hop. Like there was always yeah. this staunch division. And I found like this movie reminded people, this group reminded people that there didn't have to be, that there's a place for like pop and punk and rock to all mixed together and that's where we get babyface with kay hanley (laughs) with like david gibbs right like literal fusion of like r&b and pop and punk and it's the best it's perfectly marketed to appeal to everybody although i'm sure too that it turned out like a lot of you know i'm sure crust punks did not like this level of of right pop punk yes but yeah i think it, it in very much in the lines of what the movie itself is creating or like living mm-hmm. the world it's living in they were perfectly manufactured yeah to be appealing to all levels like i know you know the the they specifically wrote trying to write pop punk yeah pop hits yeah like you're writing for josie and the pussycats you're like okay it's got to be a number one josie and the pussycats single yeah and man was it ever even this album comes off to me and maybe we'll talk about this more mm-hmm. maybe later maybe we won't i was listening to it today and going through and i'm like this feels more like a greatest hits album than mm. like it's not like interesting josie and the pussycats lp1 right it's like their third album and it, <laughs> these are the like singles. all the bangers yeah. off like the first two albums interesting yeah that's a great point i i've never thought of it like that but yeah going back to our mention of that thing you do david gibbs was best known for being in the gigolo ants which was a punk band from boston but he co-wrote the song that thing you do which that's- amazing right i mean he's obviously he knows how to write a catchy ass song that's for sure yeah and then this was also the first of two songs to be recorded and produced with babyface right yes so Kay came out Kay hanley came out um to la and uh did these first two and then once they wrote more they actually recorded the majority back in boston where letters to clear recorded oh that's really cool um i love how much this song like the fact that it was the lead single mm-hmm. it's just this song and the fact that it's how the movie it's everything this is everything josie and the pussycats are yes yes like, yes yes it's it's a little more polished it's almost like it's after you know they signed the contract yeah. versus when they were just like in their garage right but still it's so perfect i i yeah 
I have nothing bad to say about this song ever. I also love that Kaplan and Elfont sent the girls, like like Rachel Lee Cook, yes. Tara Reid, and Rosario, Rosario Dawson to band camp, like quote unquote band camp, where they like learned how to play their instruments. So they actually learned how to play this song um, and then the other two that they perform in the movie. I know that, again, like critics shit on Tara Reid for not being <laughs> able, able to play the drums, but it's like, fuck off. She did like she's playing the yeah. drums in all these scenes. And that's something that Elfont has gone on to say is like we didn't we never like skip the scenes to make it match up like Tara was genuinely playing. That's really cool. And yeah, like, I mean, that's impressive. This is not yeah, the drums are really not Ooh. easy to fake. <laughs> Rosario Dawson has gone on to like laugh at herself. And I loved watching. She did like a 20th anniversary. They did like a 20th anniversary interview with E for this. And I didn't see that. Oh, it's so cute. And that Ro- was like almost exactly a year ago, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. We are recording this on the day the movie came out, <laughs> April 11th. That's oh amazing. Oh my gosh. Okay. okay. I didn't even realize that. Wow. So Great. 21, the 21st anniversary. Yeah. We're so good at planning things. We're great. That's amazing. We're perfect. Um, they also, so in band camp, they were at first being coached by um, British punk band Powder, which I, this oh. was my first introduction to them and they're super rad. Oh, cool. Um, but they were a little bit more like artsy. Um, ah. Rachel Lee Cook <laughs> said that she was horrified or like terrified by the thoughts of having to do the acrobatics that's how she described (laughs) what the lead singer um, Pearl Lowe was teaching them to do now I really want to see that band right yeah Yeah, they're really I really like them then Kay Hanley sort of stepped in and coached them and you can really tell that especially in like Rachel's Rachel Lee Cook's uh, mannerisms for sure Um, initially, this is where just guitar wise, they had always wanted Rachel Lee Cook to play a Gibson SG. Oh God, I loved Gibson I SGs. Love SGs. I, I still love do. them. Yeah. They're they were beautiful. So beautiful. Mm-hmm. So like slightly evil looking. Yeah. Just the perfect, yeah. The perfect, like, I don't know. When I found out they were asymmetrical, I was a little disappointed. Okay. But now I get it. Yeah. No, I love them. I'm, I am a Fender gal through and through, <laughs> but an SG, I do genuinely love. Um, I but love the Gibson like weirdos, like the Explorer and the Line <laughs> V. And the yeah, there's the, there's yeah. a place for those. That's the for Firebird. sure. The Firebird. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when a band has a Firebird guitar and a Firebird bass. Mm-hmm. That's a good look. That's it. That's, yeah. But they actually decided to go with her, like, old Gretsch that she plays throughout this whole movie when Elfont was just, like, walking around downtown Vancouver. This whole movie is filmed in Vancouver. And he found it in, like, just a random guitar shop. He said Uh that the guitar itself was barely playable. It was a used (laughs) guitar. But they loved the look and... I I love that story of it. Like I wish that we could hear that guitar. <laughs> so that's the one that she plays like at the beginning before cuz once they get signed, they get all new gear. Yeah, but even if you look in like the promo shots, it oh, is okay. that guitar. But you're right. Like then when there's 
we're we're looking at the record. That's when they got the pictures, but yeah. That's when they got the Samick guitars. Yeah, ugh, which not a fan, not a fan, not a fan. You know how I know their budget? How? That's the guitar I had in high school. Oh, really? Yes, that's <laughs> the guitar actually right behind you. There is uh, not the Daisy Rock. Okay, not the, the Daisy one. Rock. The other one. The electric the one, one is a Samick. That's amazing. I love how the way I know something was yeah. cheap is that I could actually own it. But it also, see, that's like a product placement that I love within this movie ah. because instead of them putting like a Gibson SG that none of us could ever afford, oh, yeah, they they introduce, a, you know, like a whole era of girls to Samix. That's true. Maybe yeah. that would make them feel better right? about buying them yeah. for like $200. Save up your babysitting money, yeah. With an amp <laughs> included. Yeah. Oh, I loved those deals. And your gig bag. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love this scene as well, right? This is like when this song plays for the first time, we get like the very wholesome montage of like introductions, yes, right? I love it. Where we so learn good. like, oh, Josie works at a diner and she teaches guitar <laughs> lessons. They have a million cats. And I still am like, do they all live together in that house? I don't even think I clued into that. Probably. I know. That would make sense. Yeah. In the I think world so. of like Archie, that would make complete yeah. sense. Yeah. We also learn that Melody loves animals, which. Also, this is the this is the scene where we get like her, you know, she has her signs that say honk if you love rainbows, oh <laughs> honk if you love sunshine, honk if you love pussy cats. And she causes like the pile up. So <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, those are I have to say, though, I feel like those are the moments that make this movie great because they're kind of making jokes with the characters and with the actress because right. I feel like Tara yeah. Reid was like at this point she's like known for American Pie I think so right and that I know what you did last summer they were making a joke with Tara Reid about right. who Tara Reid was Which right is, they do that later with Carson Daly yes. yeah right like when they're like oh we could date and like they were actually were they married they at that were point? Engaged, engaged at that point yeah, yeah. And, which is hilarious right like I just I loved that they I don't they just gave her so much agency through these ridiculous little jokes yeah and I absolutely love it well so. and people always talk about yeah her being like dumb or whatever and mm-hmm. that, the character is not but and then there's all the those moments throughout the movie where actually she knew from the very beginning that Wyatt was like super self-conscious and was only looking for friends and she was basing that just off what he ordered at the restaurant, right? (laughs) Although she still is shocked when she is told that puppies become dogs right. and dogs get old mm-hmm. and die. Mm-hmm. Sad. Which it's is sad the saddest thing mm-hmm. in the world to me yeah. is that puppies grow old. Right? Yeah. But uh yeah. Yeah. We also have to like just Give the snaps for the fact that Val is holding it down as bass players always do. Ah. Right? Well, as much, okay, I loved Rachel Lee Cook. Loved, mm-hmm. loved from the first time I saw her. She was in this like, did you ever see the drug commercial that she was in in 1998? No. no. It was like after her, anyway, in the middle, <laughs> at the very beginning of her career, she was in this fantastic okay. anti-drug commercial. Oh, no. I'll show no. it to you later. I queued right. it up earlier in case you hadn't seen it. <laughs> okay. Anyway. As much as I loved her at the time, Rosario Dawson is the coolest person in this movie. Right? 
Well, Hands she's down. like one of the coolest people in Hollywood. And like, I always still. forget that. And then I see her in an interview and it's like she used to hang out with like skateboarding weirdos. Right. Like she was part of, anyway, well, there's all, this whole thing. Yeah. She herself is just like, yeah, a whole thing. Um, I didn't realize that something I totally forgot, which again, in the 20th anniversary with the three of them, um, Rachel Lee Cook brings up that Rosario was in Kids. Totally yes. forgot about that. Well, yeah, that's right. Yeah, because she was friends with like Harmony Corinne yeah. and all of those people. Like they were right? actually friends that everybody in that movie. Yeah. Yeah. And so the other thing about Val that is fascinating to me is that when they were casting Val, did you come across any of the other no. women that had uh, had tried out or had other women considered for the role were Aaliyah? Oh, wow. Elisa Left Eye Lopez Dang. and Beyonce. Whoa. I know. Oh, I guess, right? yes. Be- they were already that, a thing then. Yeah. Because, yeah, Destiny's Child was. And, yeah, it's it's fantastic. Rachel Lee Cook, her theorization was that they really wanted someone so connected to, like, like bring the art cred of right, yeah, Rosario totally. Dawson. Which so. I never knew she had art cred, but she definitely Yeah, does. well, this She's was, so like, her cool. first big budget movie ever. And wow. it's adorable when you watch that. Like she said, like she's like, I've never been on, like I had never been on a set, like a big set before. <laughs> I'd never wow. had like a huge wardrobe. And it's adorable. Yeah. When you rewatch the movie, it's like you can see the joy and the fun that they're all having. And I love it. Which is what the characters are supposed to be having. Yeah. Too, so right? it's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. Big sidetrack from the actual song, but oh my, I can't all believe of that. we don't, that was all three <laughs> small words. Yeah. I r- literally wrote down for that. I don't even know what to say. It's practically perfect in mm-hmm. every way. Exactly. Absolutely. So. And then we said a million things. Yeah. But moving on to the next amazing song, we have Pretend to Be Nice. That is by Shell Singer and a slew of other people. actually not by a slew of other people is it just shell singer this song was written this is the only song on the soundtrack that has one writing credit nope there's one more who is it the animal ronker we'll get to it It, but oh you mean there's one more song yeah one more song with with single credit when i read it i read that this was the only one anyway yeah, it's Adam Schle- Adam Schlesinger. Schlesinger. Oh, yeah, I've totally been saying his name poorly. Yeah. This is going to be a fun section to edit. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So. Okay, let's just start over. Okay. <laughs> I found it, like, really interesting. I ended up reading a bit about him after reading that. Mm-hmm. Sadly. Yeah, it's an RIP. Yeah. Yeah. Died due to COVID complications. Yeah, he was one of the first celebrities, which is... Very sad. Obviously, far too young. Yes. He is an incredible musician, artist, everything. Um, he was the lead singer of Fountains of Wayne. Apparently, he already kind of had this song sketched out, or some. I saw yeah. one thing that mentioned that, and, and other things that didn't. But uh, it was yeah. something he kind of had in his pocket, mm-hmm. and then they they wanted a Josie hit. Yeah. And then he worked it out. This bridge is so good. Yeah. 
Uh, so with this song, um, I get I get really like distracted by how good <laughs> music <laughs> is when we have it playing underneath listening. Anyways, when it comes to the hook of this song, which is playing right now for us, the ooh, 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 yes. ooh, 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 right? When he took that to Babyface, he said, basically, like, here's the song and this is the melody. I don't exactly know what I want to do here. And I don't know if I want to use horns or synth. <laughs> like, I don't know. And Babyface said, no, it's the vocals. It's the ooey, ooey, ooey. It's just ooey, ooey. Yeah. That's what it is. <laughs> That's amazing. And yeah. He, That's Babyface. As a writer, he wasn't certain about working with Babyface until that moment. <laughs> and he said, you know what? We're going to be good. We're in good hands. That's he great. knows what he's doing. So I I also concur. It's fantastic. <laughs> and that gets stuck in my head. The ooey, ooey Regularly. Ooey. Yeah. I found a quote from him from Schlesinger Mm -hmm. that made me really relate to him because as like a graphic designer sometimes people are like oh you're an artist and I'm like no I'm not like I mostly I'm it's hard for me to sit down and like just draw okay um I've gotten better at it but like I'm so often like a lot of what I do is I think of as creative problem solving Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so like you come to me and you need something Mm -hmm. so he actually in a quote that I saw said that essentially the same kind of idea which is over the years i've come to like it more and more and i've come to feel like i'm good at writing when i have an assignment i'm probably better at that than being told go make a record do whatever you want and sort of follow my own muse i like being given some parameters so something like this you know the parameters were we want it to sound like a hit it's josie and the pussycats and even that is kind of an assignment yeah so like it's funny i mean obviously i have the stuff that i designed just for me Mm -hmm. but it's like i almost have to come up with parameters or I enforce rules on myself, like this is only a one color design, or this right. is gonna... and so I really like related to that. To yeah, him saying, like I need a project, I need an assignment. Yeah, I know Kay Hanley said a very similar thing about not only this, but I mean Hanley's career, like since Letters to Cleo, she was she said this a number of times, but I was just listening to her on Waterproof Records podcast, oh, yeah. and she said essentially like this was my introduction to like knowing that I could just have fun with things, but also yeah, like get that assignment and create music because she said that she felt so much pressure as like a front woman of a band um, to sort of like, you know, keep up, keep up the appearance and keep up the, I guess the character of like being the front woman while also writing this music that's supposed to, you know, kind of stay in line with all of their other music when, yeah, there isn't a specific parameter, as you say. Right. The two of them together clearly work so well with the guidance. And we've seen Kay Hanley do it. Um, I have this in my notes somewhere for another song, but it can fit anywhere because she uh, has written so many songs for Disney. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's and really I, cool. I realized that your life may not include things like Doc McStuffins. I, oh, I did see that she's written for Doc McStuffins. Yeah, she I wrote the theme song. Oh my God, Doc Even McStuffins is Disney, so good. But. So she worked, uh, Kay Hanley specifically works with Chris Nee, who is a writer for Disney, um, oh, cool. specifically like the Disney Channel or Disney Junior. And so Doc McStuffins was the first project they worked together on. As I have two kids that were f- totally Doc McStuffin <laughs> age when it came out, I was so here for it to have like good music like that's the other thing is that 
we were just talking about this, me and my partner, how, you know, our friends that have young kids right now, it's like, get them. A, you don't have to do the nursery rhymes. Oh There's God, so yeah. many good soundtracks and like kids music out there that is not nursery rhymes. Get on that. So yeah, Kay Hanley was the same as Adam Schlesinger. I'm like avoiding saying that. That sounded now. good. <laughs> uh, yeah. Along those lines, I remember when Yo Gabba Gabba came out. And yeah. And it was just like, oh, this is cool right? stuff. Like so I really good. liked Yo Gabba Gabba. And yeah. you're just like, yeah. Aquabats, whoever else mm-hmm. wasn't like they got so many cool people. They had involved. Jimmy Eat World flying around on cats. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> was, yeah, yeah why did why show. like why have your kid watch listen to bad music? Right, there's like this one. Yeah, little baby bum. Why why do your why do it to yourself? <laughs> because I'm gonna connect to the the scenes in the movie. This is when they're like literally climbing the Billboard charts. Right. Yes, and, it's a great montage. Oh, so good. It's I just I love this is also when we get all like the shimmery glitter makeup of 2001 and <laughs> it is nostalgia on everything. The it's best perfect. part is like the end of that montage and when Melody's like, I can't believe it's been a week. Yeah. <laughs> or whatever. It's some yeah. very short period of time. Yep. Oh. Um, so in the last song when you were talking about who was it? Gib? Uh huh. Who, who yep. wrote? Who co-wrote that thing? You mm-hmm. do his co-writing partner was Slashinger. So it's cool to see them working together here on this soundtrack. Right. And again, I can't say enough about how catchy that song is. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, let's head into another co-written jam. This is "Spin Around" by David Gibbs and Adam Durrett. Spin around, come back. This intro mm-hmm. sounds like it belongs in Gilmore Girls, which again is a reference I know you won't entirely get. But it fits in almost any of those shows, I right. feel. Like you could see this in One Tree Hill. I could see this in The O.C. I could see it. I guess so. There's just a very different... There's a whole la-la-la theme oh, okay. in, in Gilmore Girls. Okay. Also, this is one of those songs on this soundtrack where i'm like what is with how different the intro is from the rest of this song and i think personally i think that you can really hear it because of adam duritz okay i think and so his inclusion in this is so interesting to me because i am not a huge counting crows fan I like the hits. Mm-hmm. I feel like they come up a lot in movies and he has, I mean, he was everywhere in the 90s and 2000s and he had written for a bunch of movies like Clueless and Cruel Intentions. Right, yeah. When he was approached for this movie, he specifically said like this was such a different beast because they didn't have the movie. They had oh, the, yeah. the premise and they knew they wanted a super group. And normally he said that he had to see the movie and understand that the movie was going to be amazing and had to love it. Right. So at the time he ended up working on this because he was living in a house with David Gibbs and a bunch of other musicians. Right. And Gibbs had come home from working on this all day and basically said like, Fuck, we're working so hard. There's a million of us working and we have nothing. Like we still <laughs> have two songs. So Adam Duritz said, that they sat down that night and wrote 10 songs and Uh. called Kaplan, which this is where I'm like, okay, buddy. I just, 
the oh, tone of it. Yeah, no. And just him. Yeah. But whatever. He called Kaplan and said, I hear you have a problem. This is a direct quote. I oh hear you have God. a problem and I have a solution. <laughs> oh, that's brutal. <laughs> Which is his 10 songs that he then showed them. They loved it. But again, he was like, well, I don't want my songs to have 20 other names on them. So I think that's why we get maybe two with his name on it. Oh my goodness. Um, He actually, he, they had considered, the Counting Crows had considered going back and recording this with Babyface, like as the Counting Crows. Imagine that. Weird. I cannot imagine that. It would be way slower. But yeah, this is one of the songs that I'm just like, okay with. Oh, I love this song. I love his song. Uh, I also, this is another song that they, this is the song in the final performance where, oh, like, right. good for Tara Reid. Listen to these drums. <laughs> like these roles, that's not easy to do not no. knowing how to play the drums. <laughs> I love, I saw a thing where there was a quote from her about how like she couldn't figure out how to separate her arms and her legs. Right. Oh yeah. Which is I the thing that I do yeah. not understand about drumming at I don't all. Know, I can't. I've tried so hard and it's just a disaster. Yeah. It's like the rubbing your tummy and tapping your head. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Not good at that. I love it, though. I love this song. Okay. All right. So next, You Don't See Me with a million (laughs) writing credits. So let me just go down this one. So David Gibbs, Steve Silk Hurley, who was a pioneer of house music, had a bunch of hits. Kaplan, Babyface Elfant, Jane Whedon of the Go-Go's, Adam Duritz is back on this one, Jason Faulkner of Jellyfish, and Dee Dee Gibson, who is the original voice of Josie. Oh, I saw that yeah. she was on some of them and I was like, what did she actually do? So this is where I'm going to launch into a whole bunch of info that is... <laughs> researching this made me made my heart hurt a little bit because I adore this movie and this soundtrack so much but um Dee Dee Gibson was from the all black girl group Edith's Wish in the 1990s and I don't know that they ever released anything they were you know like they were sort of passed around labels and they didn't essentially they disbanded um a few years into their career. Dee Dee Gibson had worked with Babyface a little bit. Uh, she was also an actress. She's been on NCIS in a number of movies and musicals. But yeah, it was with Edith's wish that she sort of got noticed by Babyface and Kaplan and Elfont. And she co-wrote this song, recorded a ton of songs as the voice of Josie. Oh, wow. When she came into the studio, basically she and Babyface and Tracy Edmonds were essentially like hey look like we see the we're reading the room there's a whole bunch of white artists here (laughs) recording for the vocals of a white singer for a predominantly white genre of music and babyface took her aside and said like don't don't not feel that like that's here and it's awkward and (laughs) just like go with it as best you can 
So like she's been pretty candid. This was in an article with graffiti with punctuation where she said like it was really weird, but I was really into this, uh, this project. And like she co-wrote this song, which is one of the prettiest songs on here. But eventually they just sort of babyface was like, you know what? How about you sit it out for a couple days? And then they just turned into a few more days and a few mm. more days at the time she was doing a bunch of acting so she wasn't really too upset about it didn't oh, really take like good. a huge amount of offense um but she was never formally told that she wouldn't be the voice of oh Josie. my goodness that is crappy right never given full writing rights so she hasn't made the same amount of money oh super shit and yeah like really after all these years um she said that she she's happy with the choice because she knows her voice wouldn't have worked right as well as Kay's did she and Kay Hanley actually did not know about this happening at the time uh. so neither of them knew like Kay had no idea that she was replacing right. her and she had no like so there was never like there's no bad blood there Kay has also been quoted as saying like her voice was so good like it was too good to be coming out of Rachel's mouth <laughs> it wouldn't have made sense and it's absolutely true like if you go back and look at old um, like live footage of Edith's Wish they're absolutely in this genre but with just like super soulful super powerful Ooh, vocals that are really awesome definitely gonna have to check that out yeah it sounds fantastic yeah so i i mean it's amazing that she that she's getting the credit on here but it's a shitty story for sure for sure. Mm-hmm. i have to say you don't see me is my favorite song on this soundtrack really okay and I so when it first shows up in the movie, it's during a scene. <sighs> mm-hmm. It's well, it's just in like it's in the background of a scene, and without lyrics, mm-hmm. it's just the riff. And it, I was like, "What does this sound like? Who is this? What mm-hmm. is this?" And I literally, I was writing down "Lemonheads," "Ballad of El oh. Gudo," "Big Star." Ain't yeah. no one going to bring me down. What song <laughs> am I thinking of? Matthew I don't know. Sweet. I don't know. And then I'm reading through the notes this morning. Yeah. And I see, well, like I'm reading through Wikipedia this morning and I see that Matthew Sweet, as you said, worked on the soundtrack. Yep. However, I can't find anywhere what specific tracks he worked on. I don't think he wrote anything. I don't know because I have loved Matthew Sweet since 100% Fun. And so since 2001, (laughs) I have been trying to figure this out and I don't know either. I would... (laughs) I would bet money. Yeah. That he is playing that the guitar. That he's playing. Interesting. It definitely though like the the chord progression and yeah. whatnot it in the music of this song really has a ballad of El Gudo. Mhm. Mm-hmm, sound mm-hmm, which of mm-hmm. course Evan Dando performed on Empire mm-hmm, Records mm-hmm. and is a big star song who are fantastic. Yep. Um but yeah there's something about it the the actual music not the singing and so of course that just makes me love this song as a whole interesting i've never i have always wondered and i've never put the two and two together that maybe he played on this yeah that's why Hmm. when i read that he was on it but it wasn't listed as a songwriter that's why i wanted to see the liner notes of your (laughs) record yeah no did the liner notes say who plays what on what do not help any any little bit nothing online says who plays what on what uh, nope. It bothers me. Yeah, this was also the song where Babyface like said to Kay Hanley, "She's she's still 
totes this song as like a turning point in her understanding as an artist because Babyface like said this is a song that you really have to be able to sing for oh. and she never considered herself like a singer oh, until really this sweet. moment I know yeah so this song has a torrid history but it's a it's a good one it's a good one and now moving on to You're a Star written by oh another Adam Duritz David Gibbs and Anna Waronker <laughs> Is this the song you imagine Melody singing? No. Oh. This is the song that opens, like, the intro sounds like it's Green Day, like, Insomniac era Green Day. Ah, yeah, with that, like, kind of brain stewy. Yeah. Yeah. I hear, oh, what a fun twist on this, or a fun take on this song that I've listened to (laughs) a billion times. It does have a melody vocal vibe, mm-hmm. like especially with her getting. But I think that counting. that's that's her counting in, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe I don't know. I I don't know that I I'm excited to hear about it. I don't know if I'm going to agree with you. <laughs> Let's also talk about the fact that this is the makeover montage. Yes. And as annoying as it is, like they didn't need a makeover, but they needed well, a like a glam over. That's right. Wrote, isn't Josie's hair basically the same? <laughs> And they make a big deal out of it. And I'm like, it's it's yeah. basically the same hair. Yeah, it's basically the same hair. All of them are basically the exact same. Yes. Except, do you realize what they, they all have now? Body glitter. Oh, And yes. hair <laughs> glitter. Glitter everywhere. I worked at Claire's Accessories. Oh, my goodness. This year, like this year <laughs> that this came out, and it was everywhere we sold so much body glitter so much glitter (laughs) hairspray and i swear like that picture i showed you you can't see because that's like from a disposable camera but my hair is so fucking glittery (laughs) and i used to carry it around with me the glitter hairspray so that i would get to re-glitter but i adore this montage like it's just so sweet so fun you (laughs) can tell they're all genuinely having like the time of their lives and when I glittered my hair sometimes in high school, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. like let's maybe ninety eight was probably my okay ninety eight ninety nine. We was all maybe have my a glitter hair, glitter era. Yeah. But I would just <laughs> I had glitter and I had gel and oh. like I wasn't buying pre glitter. So DIY of you, but you were pro- you were putting it in the gel. They were probably like big glitters, like yeah. Was. See, and I was w- like it was, but. I was obviously ahead of time too because mm. I was, you know. You were a trend. You were a trend maker. That was cool. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. All right. That was too when I briefly, when I was painting my nails, I would I would do like, you know, base coats and then glitter overcoats. Oh, look at you. Early nail art influencer. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's a great song. Moving. Are we, are we ready for the next great song? We are, yeah. All right. So it's Shapeshifter written by Kay Hanley and Michael Eisenstein.
both founding members of Letters to Cleo. They were both married at the time to each other. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I believe when Kay was recording this, they had had their first son. Um, He was like 19 months old or something. He was young. He was a baby baby. Right. Well, well, they were recording this. So I just kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Was this the scene where they're like running away from the people in the aquarium? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, which I don't even know. I mean, I I don't know where we'll come to it, but I fucking hate Alan M. (laughs) (laughs) I want to give Kay Hanley and Michael Eisenstein their dues here, but I hate Alan M. (laughs) He is like, I don't know. I kind of shipped it because you're supposed to, but like he's... There's not a lot going on there. Nothing. Doesn't they, it list him as like the hottest boy in Riverdale? Yes. In the like intro? Yeah. And uh, I guess we had to have a love interest. But I think, again, if they were to reboot this, which fingers crossed, we just get rid of Alan M because we don't need him. Right. He's the most boring. And every scene with him in it is boring. It's um, so sad in this scene though that they're instantly famous and then she has to run away from people like yeah yeah Kay Hanley is easily one of the most like influential artists I guess of my life my life um but also like soundtracks like Letters to Cleo is on every from like the mid 90s right they're everywhere and I loved her so much I forgot about this my very first band when I very first started learning to play, uh, we covered here and now. <laughs> nice. And it was not easy to sing that quickly. <laughs> if you remember, that was the song with like the fastest chorus lyrically. Anyway, but I think that she, yeah, she's just amazing. This song is like, it doesn't stand out for me, but also it's when, when I look at it objectively mm-hmm. is great. Yeah. And like powerful and just fast and like. Yeah. And again, I think this is like this song shows how Hanley was like, okay, I have like I have an assignment to write totally. and I'm going to write it. And like it's totally as you say, like it's in that scene where they're where Josie's running away from all the fans. It's exactly like sort of that flip side of fame. Right. Mm-hmm. Shifting the shape. Yeah. Right. You're a shapeshifter. Right. So from there, on to the other solo writing credit with Wish You Well by Anna Warwonker. What other soundtrack was she on that we've already covered? Yellow Jackets. So we haven't actually covered it, but I've sent you. Oh, so we've just talked about yeah, it. Yeah, we've talked about it. Oh, because okay. I'm like, I know this name so well. Yeah. She was also the front woman for that dog. Right. And who I don't really know at all. I love them. Love, love, love them. They were like, they only released three albums, early 90s. They toured with like Weezer, Beck, Blur. She has a super musical family. She's married to one of the members of the Melvins. Oh, cool. Yeah, she has a just a fascinating like roster of a life. Like So it's, that's why her name just keeps coming up. Yeah. Like, okay. 
Right. Also, I, I found this interesting. Like she has a couple of solo records. This song is on her solo record oh, cool. and it is so similar. <laughs> but you will notice like when you hear her version that was produced by Adam Schlesinger. <laughs> <laughs> this is just going to be an annoying like carryover. But anyway, he it's produced it. It's a good thing it. he's dead yeah. and we'll never <laughs> oh, hear this man. so you don't have to feel bad I know, about it. sorry. But he produced Wish You Well when she put it out on her solo album. That's really cool. When you listen to her version, it has that like really chugging guitar and like heavy bass tone that is so prominent in like the Yellow Jackets theme. Oh, uh, okay. She, yeah that yes. she co-wrote also this is this was the funnest fact i came across <laughs> she recorded um the theme for the clueless for television oh yeah remember we were singing that weren't we singing that, that the other day no is that oh. that i want no it's not what is uh, the she said i can't do it when we have the song playing but like <laughs> how does it go or were we like, singing i don't even know she's just an ordinary girl in an ordinary now I can't see. I can't like. I can't think of the tune. Damn that it! Sounds familiar. No, um, but we weren't singing it. Okay, it was just me and Brady then. <laughs> Brady <laughs> knows every word, and as soon as he started, I was like, "Oh yeah!" And then I chimed in, and I remembered every word. Anyways, speaking of great theme songs, unrelated, but that get sung around one's house. Mm -hmm. My house is a big California Dreams theme song. Okay. Do you okay. know that song? I don't even know if I do. Surf dudes with that attitude. No. No, okay. no, I don't. It was, it's a, it's a great. Well, maybe Anne Waronker wrote, wrote that one too. That would be amazing, <laughs> right? She also, oh, she did work with. She worked with Say Anything, and she worked oh. uh, with Red Hot Chili Peppers, and then Yellow, yeah, Yellow Jackets just last last year this year that was last year wasn't it what is time i don't know nothing man oh man it's yeah all the time it's more timey right and i feel like i find a way to bring up yellow jackets on every episode i think is so <laughs> you just you just so badly want to talk about <laughs> I it i want to talk about it so badly from here we go into the first cover right yeah yeah i knew this was a cover <laughs> the first time i heard it i knew it was a cover <laughs> So it's written by Johnny O'Keefe and it's Real Wild Child. I've always, okay, so this song's been covered a on jillion? the higher end of mm -hmm. songs being covered. I don't know if I've ever heard the original, or if I did, Same. if I would be able to tell you this is the original. No, no, because I thought the Iggy Pop version was the original. And it's not? No, no. This is Johnny O'Keefe. Oh, right. He is the Australian rocker known as the Wild One, which I wish that's oh, what I was goodness. known as. That's a fucking good, good one to have. This song is sung by Melody. Oh. I can hear that now that you say it. Yeah. And how it's like, it sounds different 
than the other songs. Like yeah. the vocal sounds different, and then it sounds to me like Josie. Interesting. Or sorry, like Melody. Oh, that's a funny. Yeah, that's a funny take. And you could just see her doing it too. Yeah. Like her being the one to mm-hmm. do the like, because it's even. I mean, obviously we've already covered that Melody is not dumb, mm-hmm. but this is a big dumb song. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I can really like. I can hear not just Melody, but like Tara Reed's voice now that you say it. Exactly. <laughs> that's what I'm. It's like full yeah. on. It's so weird. Oh, that is funny. I don't know. I mean. This song, I think that this is like, this is where I I never loved the covers on this because it broke the fantasy of Josie for me. Like, it's like, this is clearly not the band. Yeah, but it's, I don't know. bands do covers all the time. I know, I know. I'm not, I'm not saying it makes sense. I'm just explaining. For you, it was weird. For me, it was weird. Okay. It was a break where it's like, no, I know this is Kay Hanley singing this. This um, is not Josie. Plus, this is like, we never got a performance of this. This is when right. she's fighting. Fiona. Oh my goodness, which okay, in this fight, mm-hmm. I think I feel like Melody and Val both kind of kick ass. Yeah. And then yeah. we get the so offensive the slapping slap fight yeah. from the other two and it's just like this was about this movie is like a good example of strong female characters mm-hmm. and their badasses. And mm-hmm. like, you've got that clever scene with Melody, like hitting Carson with yeah. the dummy, yeah. like with the cardboard cutout, that, mm-hmm. and she like smart tricks Sam. Yeah, yeah, so well done. Mm-hmm. And the, the other two girls can fight. Even earlier, you have Josie is fixing Alan M's truck for, right. or van yes. for him. Like she is a skilled person. And then you have this fight where they just do the like it's just a trope stupid of, trope, yeah. quote unquote, girl fight yeah. slap fight, mm-hmm. and I hate it. It yeah. made me so angry. I hate it. I feel like this time around I tried to like make a justification, which is like they don't actually hate Fiona, so they don't actually want to hurt her. Yeah, but she's but... like essentially trying to kill them. Yeah. I don't know. I agree. There's with no you. justification. No, there's it's... little right, there's there's all those little moments sprinkled throughout where it's like, Oh yeah, this is still two thousand and one and stupid decisions yeah, were made it's but, very yeah it's very disappointing yeah so let's move to the song with <laughs> the most writers which i didn't even i didn't even write out how many who was <laughs> on this because there's so many or is it i mean everyone everyone oh right i this. did read that and then it's also yeah. like one of the simplest <laughs> Yeah, but I think this song sounds like a bun. It's such patchwork to me, right? Because this, like, I don't know, this verse doesn't match the chorus to me, and I can see that. Yeah, it never has. I freaking love the lyrics of this, though. Do you? Because they're just so like empowered, essentially like anti slut shaming. Yeah, yeah. She's yeah. just like, I'm. I want to hook up. Do you want to hook up? Yeah. Like yeah. that's all I want to do. Yeah. Not. I don't want to be your girlfriend. <laughs> And yeah. like I just again in the whole theme of the movie being about like strong women doing what they want, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's a great example of that to me. Mm-hmm. I would I would agree. 
I would agree. So Jane Whedon from the Go-Go's is on this one. She said that normally she leaves a songwriting experience excited, but uh, <laughs> she found it. You know there's a right? hard butt coming <laughs> yeah. That she had a really hard time writing this song um, and just working on this album in general because she said it was really hard to have so many writers on one song. Right. And this is the song where I feel that shows. Yeah. To me anyway. I think this is sweet though. She was super stoked to work with Jason Faulkner because she loved Jellyfish, which I mean, of all the huge names <laughs> yeah. in this, I love that that a member of the Go-Go's was excited for that reason. For uh, two names I yeah. don't know. Right? Like off the top of your head? No, me no. neither. Yeah. Yeah, this song just gets boring. Yeah. It really just like rides yeah. out for way too long. I like that we have like the... We can really hear like Biff Naked in the oh, in the yeah. backing vocals, right? But that's about it. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. It is one of the more dud-ish yeah. songs on here for sure. And from here we go to the song that I skip the most, which is Money. That's what I want. Another song that how many times has this been covered? A jillion. And I just think of Empire Records. Oh yeah, it. but they use they, the, they use it really well. It's so good. It's yeah. so good in that movie. I I forgot the scene and now I'm remembering because that's when they're yeah. Remind me. Do I? Oh, it's their shopping. Right, and I think. I mean, really, as I said, this is a song that I have always consistently for the last 21 years skipped over, <laughs> but they needed this on the soundtrack. This right. is the song that they absolutely had to have. Yeah. Right. I'd like it, this scene is so full of brand shots as yeah. they're out shopping. Like, right? which, of course it has to be, but oh, this is the other song that has a melody vibe to me, Yeah, which is yeah. funny because it's the two covers. And I don't think that's Tara Reid at the beginning. I think that's Kay Hanley right. saying, no, like, it's this not. is for all you shoppers out there, which yeah. I always, I didn't like that either. No. I don't know. It just, for a movie that is so in your face, I just didn't think that was necessary to add in yeah. this cover. No, it's pretty, <laughs> but, it's pretty obvious. Yeah. And I think like the, all, all my other notes are just what we already talked about. The fact that, you know, the, the movie itself never made any money off of the branding yeah. that, you know, the included inclusion of brands. And one thing I don't have you listened to the the Sends at Prom episode on Josie? I don't think I have yet. Oh my gosh. Because I hadn't good. rewatched the movie until just now. And so So this ends at prom also covers this movie. They do a fantastic job. Of course and, they do. Uh, of course. Have some super hot, super hilarious takes. But I love, love, love. Um, I believe it yeah, it was BJ that points out throughout this movie there is so much product placement of streetwear cosmetics, which I, I don't know, maybe you wore shimmery streetwear eyeshadow. No. It was everything oh. like it was in every single teen magazine 17 <laughs> everywhere and so it's so funny because it's such a relic of like the moment right because streetwear doesn't exist anymore yeah because i only really noticed there was like a big revlon in, yeah and josie's hotel room i believe was all revlon branded yes i do think so and i think there was some l'oreal when they um 
like when they get their hair made over. But yeah, like there's a whole. Maybe I didn't even notice streetwear because it doesn't. It doesn't register. And I don't, it wouldn't for so many people. Like it's the one brand that uh, was so absolute at the time that has not carried on Interesting. yeah and somewhat i can't remember because i have listened to a few different podcasts about <laughs> this movie um someone pointed out that there's no apple products and that's just kind of oh, like yeah that's mind-blowing like five years about. later it would have right for sure even yeah like i don't there's no sidekicks there's really like there's phones but there's not a lot of tech and like the no. tech that there is couldn't have actually been made by like the main tech piece is the mixing board that puts mm-hmm. the uh, right, 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 yeah, yeah, the messages into the music, and no one would have wanted to have their logo on that. No, no. So and I think, that makes sense. In yeah, a way. that's not branded. It's only branded for Mega Records. Right. Just a fun little piece of two thousand and one nostalgia. <laughs> I also love <laughs> another piece is the arena that they perform. Yeah, in, is the Sega Mega Arena. Yeah, which I think Mega Arena is genius. Mm-hmm. But also Sega mm-hmm. was like very, at that point they had the Saturn out, which did right. not do nearly as well as well, expected. And this is where, unfortunately for like listeners, our conversations very much overlap, but I can't remember what we've actually recorded and what, what we've just talked about. Because you and I talked about like if you were a Nintendo kid or oh, a yeah. Sega kid. Did we talk about that like on, a, on an episode? Yeah, we talked about it on okay. an episode. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, right, because you have to edit it. So you yeah. you remember the bullshit that I spew. Okay, so anyway, <laughs> so being two Sega kids. Yes. Right? This was... I was like, oh. Yeah, it's fantastic. But then like two years later, they basically went under, mm-hmm. or like somewhere around there, they went under. Part of it was because yeah. you could easily bootleg the games for the Sega Saturn. Right. So it was like... <laughs> their oh, yeah, it was stolen. so easy to do. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, shortly after it, you wouldn't see the Sega brand much at all. Right. So it's weird that it's in there. As well. Yeah. And then this was just something that I forgot to mention when we were talking about You Don't See Me that connects to everything we're talking about here with the brands is that there is like one scene I know for certain once they've become Josie and the Pussycats that doesn't have any branding or any logos, oh. which is when... Josie is given the remix where they are brainwashing her and she's walking. It's when she trips and falls and she realizes that she is all that she has been put under this mind control. It is like the only scene I can think of that has zero logos and it actually just has for sale signs all over the building. Oh, that she I remember falls. that. And yeah. I think, again, it's like those little things yeah, that really obviously well went so over critics' heads that showed that like Kaplan and Elfont were really smart when oh, they were yeah. writing this movie. That's genius. Yeah, yeah that is... It was it the is moment like where she's... Oh, sorry. It's too clever. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And it's that moment where she's no longer selling herself and it's so yeah. good. So. Okay, I know we've talked about soundtracks that like go downhill and like and we've also questioned whether that's just us or whether that's the soundtrack Mm -hmm. but okay so you would normally skip money i was bored by the end of come on even Mm -hmm. though the lyrics are great now we have the two du jour songs Mm -hmm. which i had not yet seen this vinyl release that Mm -hmm. you own that which is a re-release yes put out in concert with mondo records Mm -hmm. and then you you mentioned epic and Mm -hmm. yeah they did the smart thing Mm -hmm. they took these two songs off and put them on their own seven inch where they belong where they belong <laughs> which let's like let's give credit where credit is due du jour 
is perfect. Fantastic. The songs are perfect. Backdoor Lover is like Lonely Island before Lonely Island. Right. It's so smart. It's so funny. But it's also like a really great pop song. Yeah. But it's just like. It's not what I want. I don't want to listen to this. You shouldn't have. They shouldn't have put it in before the theme. Go Josie theme and then these two songs. Right. Give these as the extras. Make them the secret song. Remember secret. secret Make this a secret song. And we don't even need to jour around the world. When you put in a CD and there's 99 tracks Mm -hmm. and you're like, what's it going (laughs) to be? Right? Exactly. Oh my gosh. We should have. Yeah. We should have been on this. We should have been music supervisors yeah well i mean i also it's good that we can end on the josie theme Uh. but just to say when it comes to du jour i think that it was like absolutely hilarious we could not have had a movie in 2001 without having like sort of that downfall of the prefabricated like lou perlman era boy Uh, band yeah but i mean yeah it's just it is what it is they're hilarious hilariously as well like you mentioned earlier how they're the final scene with du jour um alex martin is the only one that is not in a yes. full body cast and it's because all the other guys were off filming other things right that <laughs> so makes they complete couldn't sense. they couldn't have they couldn't like seth green uh donald Faison. they couldn't be there <laughs> but less could and that's why <laughs> less was there so the two songs by them on here are Du Jour Around the World mm-hmm. and then Backdoor Lover. Yeah. Which I feel like we can just kind of mix them together here. Yeah. an interview a more recent interview or i skimmed it with mm-hmm. donald and seth oh, about okay. being these yeah <laughs> these characters and how they had literally like just come off filming yeah can't hardly wait yeah and about how like i mean they both did actually genuinely appreciate boy bands at the time because right. like there is a level of the of boy band music that is like yeah it's it's made to do a thing and it does it well it does it well and then they also talked about who their favorites were and then the like the last question was like which of you could actually be in a boy band and of course donald is like me obviously for sure Yeah. yeah absolutely the the funny thing about boy bands is that its equation has never changed yeah Right. Like yeah. think about like we can think about we talked about the monkeys. Yeah. Um, then we have like Backstreet Boys. Do you remember Together? Do you remember? It was like a mixture of like a real band and a reality show. No, no they weren't. It was like a mockumentary. Oh, wow. They were on Much Music. I don't remember if it was Canadian. This again. Sorry. <laughs> 
just, <laughs> I throw this shit out there with no real backing, but oh, no, I love it. It was they were again sort of like just like a du jour poking fun at what boy bands are right. and the fact that they're always going to be successful, right? Because then we ha- we have Backstreet Boys and Sync, like the you biggest s- bands in you the world. Skipped over New Kids. Oh yeah, oopsies. I, I freaking I loved right. New Kids. In, I was like, not. Grade three. I was not. It, they were they were great. Yeah. And again, same formula. Like five guys, they all have different personalities. Mm-hmm. Right. One of my favorite like spoof versions of a boy band is on Bob's Burgers. Oh, and Camp okay. Boys for now. Oh, is what they are, and I love. <laughs> there's always the thing where Louise, who's like usually down on everything right. and, and whatnot, she flips oh, about one specific guy in okay. Boys for Now, and it is so cute every time it happens. Oh no! Nope. Tina know loves it. them, and like mm-hmm. Louise like hates them and then anytime that guy's around she's just Aww. yeah amazing well i think and he's the little one of course like the Aww. cute little one which there's always a cute little yep. one yeah and joey mcintyre right there's always the cute little one who but in du jour i don't is it Breckenmeyer or seth green i don't know <laughs> oh they are both little yeah i think brecken's cuter than oh seth, he's though. so cute seth is like Cute but punky. You know what else we need to talk about is the fact that in the movie, like they are so funny for the 15 maybe minutes that they are <laughs> yes. on there. And when I forgot about like Seth Green and Brecken Myers, like fight about the face, <laughs> right? And he's like, I'm doing your face. I like, how like we both immediately right? do, we do know the exactly. hand movement yeah. too. That's <laughs> but, my face. And it is, and when they both are told they can get new faces, right? But if you watch it a billion times, like I do, yeah. after we've been watching, I feel like there's been a lot of Breckenmeyer in my life lately, <laughs> which is a great thing. But you can see that when he and Donald Faison are like fighting, and Alan Cummings has to like come between them, like they both almost break so many times. Ah, I'll totally watch that just for that. Yeah, it's so good. I also forgot how funny I find the monkey, like the du jour monkey. It is so (laughs) perfect. When the monkey's in the body cast. Yes, and like just the monkey screaming when the plane's going down. (laughs) Like I, yeah, I could not. It is so funny. I also just have to connect this to turning red which you still have not seen as of this as of today i saw you, it the day turni- it came out sorry we have been talking about turning red anyway okay I re- i'm halfway through a rewatch of turning red so i could watch so i could listen to the this ends at prom oh, it's so it's really good okay so also when we talk about like that equation that formula of boy bands yes. i love it because i as i said i rewatched it with my six and my eight-year-old this movie we just finished watching Turning Red right. and they were like, oh my God, it's Four Town. <laughs> <laughs> and it it's essentially the same thing, the right? Same. And yeah, Four Town also rips. I was so listening good. to that on the way here. Yeah. <laughs> they did really crush it with Four Town. Yeah. 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 I think the key is if you're going to do it like a good boy band parody, it actually has to be good because I mean, they are good. Like they can sing. Yeah. And I mean, boy bands are... Uh, Really, all bands are just a parody or version of themselves. Right. So just just leaving it on that deep <laughs> note. <laughs> that was the weirdest thing when I realized. Uh, so I loved at the drive-in and I always loved watching their oh, live performances, yeah. which are like way over the top. Mm-hmm. And I, then I, at some point I was like, oh, that was that's a conscious choice. Right. And like that's a performance. Yep. That's not just them feeling the music in a weird way. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Which it is. I mean, anyway, it's such a. 
everything. All the world's a stage. <laughs> and we are merely players? Some, something, something like, like that. that. I yeah. don't know. Shakespeare? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I've had enough of um, Backdoor Lover. Okay. Which, oh, it's uh, it's over. Perfect. 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 Here we go. Josie and the Pussycats theme. Josie and the Pussycats. Long tails and ears for hats. Guitars and martial stacks. Hot, sweet, super cool. Don't I know these kitties rule? Hooray, hooray. We've been going over the master plan. Driving in a custom painted van. Practicing for hours. Don't you know that soon, no matter where you go, we'll be on your radio. So good. It's also, can I tell you how much I love behind the scenes bloopers? Oh, God, yeah. I have always loved them. I could just watch them in place of a movie. Uh, I love them uh, yeah. so much. And this is right over the bloopers yeah. in the oh, credits. That's something I was going to say when you were talking about the fight and where they like almost break. Yeah. I love, that's one of the reasons I still love watching Saturday Night Live oh. is for breaking moments mm-hmm. or like almost breaking. Right. Like, there was in the episode that just aired this weekend. Yeah. There's a moment where like 80, I feel like is like right on the edge a number of times. And I oh, love 80. Yeah. And then seeing her just about to lose oh. it is makes me so happy. Yeah. It's, it just makes, it's just, it's exactly what humor and comedy is. Yeah. And you have to be, under, I love that you're clearly entertaining yourself. Yeah. To the yep. point where, like, you're about to laugh while trying to make other people laugh. Right. Yeah. And I think, too, Parker Posey is so funny in this whole movie. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> her character is, like, yeah, just the funniest, most ridiculous thing. And I love seeing her break in the end. Like, right. there's multiple. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where she, like, she's like, oh, I spit on the camera. <laughs> she's so good at that over the top. Yeah. Like, bitchy right which again um a couple different podcasts have pointed this out and i can't believe i didn't realize that parker posey and elizabeth banks are like the same person oh my goodness yes right they do very much fill a similar niche right their voice is almost identical at least in terms of like fiona and elizabeth banks overacting like not overacting but like really putting it on like i'm thinking of like lucy from lego movies because that's that's my life but I can see it. it. I can see Parker doing Elizabeth Banks characters, mm-hmm. but I can't necessarily see, like, I can't see Elizabeth Banks doing Parker's character in Dazing Infused. Yes. And I think, too, it's one of those, like, depending on your age, right? Like, yeah. you, Parker Posey might not have the same, like, iconic stature for everyone there's realizing that elizabeth banks can never do some of her roles to me it's like elizabeth banks even when she's mean there's a humor to it yeah and parker posey when she's mean there's a humor to it when you're watching it because you're like laughing at her yeah but it's she's still she's just mean sometimes (laughs) like i don't there's a different there's a slight difference yeah and it's just that parker posey's more terrifying just great she's, she's so great, great. Yeah. and i mean what is there to say about the theme what did you want to say about the theme uh i that i can't stop <laughs> walking around my house saying long tails and ears for hats and then i say guitars with marshall stacks and you say well, there's no freaking marshall stacks <laughs> in this movie i just love like again though the branding of it all marshall stacks it's what we all wanted it's we didn't in know the theme song. <laughs> but like what's crazy is it's in the theme song from like 
Was that written for the cartoon? That's, I don't remember. And honestly, I, I kind of, I, my notes, I forgot to even cover the it theme. Must, I'm sure it was written for the cartoon. <laughs> Maybe, so but then this is like... all, but this is, there's a lot of it added on for this movie uh, okay. too. Cause then, yeah. But so I then they, it's, it would be hilarious if they mm-hmm. added in Marshall Stacks. And then never And then couldn't it. get Marshall on board. I don't even, I didn't even pay attention to who the amps were. Me neither. I'm not an amp gal. Oh. I know. I know. But yeah, they're definitely not Marshall Sacks. <laughs> no. They're probably just weird Samic boxes. Yeah. Well, thank you for helping me relive one of the most wonderful years of my life. Ah, this came out in your last year of high school? Yes. Right. Yes. Okay. It was so when also... I was judging you for lining up at the H&B? record store uh-huh. for it. You were at least still in high school. Because for me, it would be like a little weirder. I was in university when this came out. Oh, no. Yeah, no. I was in high school. and Which is still fine. Any, I, yeah. n- no judgment. Totally fine. <laughs> Line up for whatever you want. Let's not. Yeah, this is the last year of high school. It was the last year of our band, which is also oh. like bittersweet because, I mean, then I went on to play with other people. I was never right. the same. Yeah, it was like the year we were playing like the most shows. So exciting. It was. It was a really fun year. I also feel like the other funny thing listening to people like talk about this movie saying like there wasn't a lot of women doing this. Right. I disagree because <laughs> like it was my entire life and there were so many women out there doing right. this. We just didn't have women on the big screen everywhere. No. Um, getting the moment. And I think like... No, and we still rarely do. Right. Like Kay Hanley has said, there have been so many girls like where she's like, you know, people can shit on this movie and these characters as much as they want. But the amount of girls that have told her that Josie and the Pussycats are the reason they started a band is like, that's just, that's amazing. Uh, it's like what makes this movie everything. She's going to cry now. Right? That's so I know. Sweet. That's got to feel so good on her part to be like... And for all of them, this. right? Like even yeah, like true. like um like all the actresses said the same thing. Like they're like, no, like we learned how to play those instruments. And even though we weren't, you know, it wasn't our voice, whatever. Even though Rachel Lee Cook wasn't the voice. Yeah, like, and they didn't write the songs. Yeah, like she said, Josie was Josie was a rock star, and mm. she was everywhere, and she influenced so many girls. And I think like that when it comes to bands even today like they're still one of my favorite bands charlie bliss just recently did a whole show covering the soundtrack that's amazing i know that's really cool. i couldn't i couldn't go because <laughs> i don't know where it was like texas or something yeah. but was, that's really really cool. i love that that still happens and that there's still you know like themed showings yeah. of this because it really does have like such a huge place in people's hearts even if it didn't have that place in 2001 i think <laughs> for it's everyone. great that it people found that Versus right? like, cause you know, the way it came out, that's how it was supposed to be. Yeah. And then the way it was treated by likely 90% yeah. or more white male movie reviewers yeah. <laughs> was to like shove it down to the basement. Yeah. And then people are like, no, like, let's bring this out of the basement. Let's mm-hmm. make a re-release on vinyl. Right. Let's have let's parties for it. the homage it deserves. Yeah. And yeah, there's no way for me to like nicely, like, or seamlessly include this so 
do what you will with this <laughs> conclusion. But like for my whole life since this movie, my best friend Tanya that I like that I did play with. Yeah. We always whenever we're having like a shitty day or we don't know what we're going to do about something like we'll just message each other. Who's a rock star? Oh, <laughs> That is <laughs> amazing. I forget what was happening. Something was happening with me and she just randomly like DM'd me who's a rock star. It's just like, ooh. That is so <laughs> sweet. And I think like, again, that's what makes this stand out as not just like, I don't know, the best fake band in the world. Just <laughs> They are the best band in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And I love that it in a way makes sense why I enjoyed it, but mm-hmm. it didn't you know, connect for me as much as it did for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I definitely enjoyed it. I had Josie stickers on stuff. You oh. know, I had, yeah, but it was, it was different. Yeah. It a was big different. part of it was uh, just that I had a crush on Rachel Lee. Yeah. Well, so, who didn't, who didn't. And it's here now. We got to talk about it for over an hour. Yeah. yeah. So good. So I guess this is the point where we say goodbye. I think so. Yeah. So thank you so much for joining us and especially for letting me relive the absolute pleasure that is both this film and soundtrack. You can check out our social media for throwbacks. <laughs> My time in 2001. Because I have, you know, I have a ton of throwbacks to this movie. Um, that's on our Instagram, which is at uh, sidetracked with Abby and John pod. And as always, you can get in touch with us via email sidetracked with Abby, A-B-B-I-E and John, J-O-N at gmail.com. Until next episode, let's get ready to take a spiritual journey, Wes Anderson style with our very first guest. So exciting. So we cannot wait to talk Darjeeling Limited. Bye. Bye. Long tails and ears for hats.